Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. We are so fortunate to have with us for this episode, Wesley Nichols. Wesley lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee with his wife. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the owner of Enneagram Chattanooga. And what Enneagram Chattanooga can do for you is they can come to your place of worship, your business. They can do workshops that are going to help you to understand yourself and others better. I highly recommend Wesley as an Enneagram teacher and as a therapist. And you have so much to learn from him. So tune in to this episode. Hey, Wesley, thank you so much for letting us poke and probe and talk to you this afternoon. And um, I know that you work with Enneagram. How long have you worked with Enneagram, by the way? Yeah, that's a really good question. Let's see. Um, It's probably been about working with it um, for probably about four years. Um, And my interest kind of in it started probably about six years ago. Okay. As I'm sure, like you guys, I was first introduced to it, and I was like, what is this, right? Yeah. What is this mm-hmm. tool? And so I kind of jumped down the rabbit hole, reading everything I could, um, and then I heard of some workshops that were being kind of held um, in Charlotte, actually. Um, this is a little bit kind of before, not to sound super, like, hipstery, right? Like, before Ooh, the, you know. You but, like, hipstery. there wasn't, there wasn't yeah. a lot of stuff out there. There weren't podcasts. Yeah. There weren't yeah. things. And so it was Charlotte. I, I heard about a workshop, so I went to it again opened me up even more and so I just kind of continued going to these workshops introducing it and after a while um, I began kind of using bits of it with some of my counseling clients Um, I saw the impact it was having on me kind of personally and in my relationships and like hey if I can share this um, with my clients and it'd be helpful then hey that would be a great thing and so I started doing that um, and just seeing the ways that it clicked, yeah. that it, it kind of opened them up to kind of seeing and understanding themselves and also kind of the people in their lives. And yeah. so that was cool. And then after a while, it was like, you know, I think I actually might want to officially begin to kind of share this yeah. tool. And so um, that's then when I um, found the narrative Enneagram, um, mm-hmm. which is one of kind of the, the main schools that kind of teaches the Enneagram. And so... I uh, started pursuing that, and over the course of two years, took a bunch of different courses, an internship, and um, some coaching involved with that, and became a certified teacher, and then kind of from there, in a f- more official capacity, yeah. sharing. Because already before yeah. that, I was already, you know, mm-hmm. had that, that itch, right? It's kind of yeah. like, wow, like, I definitely want to kind of introduce this tool that has just been, yeah, so impactful for so many That's people. Great. So That's great. Yeah, a little my Enneagram story. I like it. I like <laughs> it very much. Well, we know you are Enneagram 3. Yes. Which is awesome. So just a side note, uh, have you been watching Olympics when they were on? Yes. So Christy and I were taping during the Olympics. I was like, those are all threes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like every single one. Maybe like one sprinkled in there every once in a while. Uh-huh. But threes, like those are your people. Mm-hmm. So I know for threes, accomplishment success matters a lot, means a lot. What is your biggest accomplishment, you would say, so far? Yeah, so that's really interesting kind of questions. And you'd kind of sent these questions beforehand, and so I was able to kind of sit with them. And I really, so many of the questions were so good. I just, they really made me kind of think. And so I was reflecting on that. I was actually having some trouble with that question. Yeah. Um, And kind of what came up for me is I think probably the, 
the time I felt most accomplished or proud, in a sense, was probably after grad school. Okay. I just finished all my coursework. I got all my hours. And I was just feeling like, wow, like I just did this thing, right, Mm -hmm. that took so much kind of work and effort. And I think there was a great kind of sense of pride. Um, And I really felt that, um, which is interesting because I think in reflecting on that, I recognize I don't know that I have that feeling a lot. Yeah. And, 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 And thinking about it, I think it's because a lot of times there is this part of me that's, okay, what's the next goal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the next thing, right? Yeah. So once you cross that finish line, right, once you kind of reach that goal, it's not like, oh, wow, well, I feel so celebrate. good. Yeah. Yes. That is not a natural impulse for me at all. Yeah. And so I think typically when that happens, it's like, okay, well, what's next, right? Mm-hmm. What's the next kind of step? What's the next kind of goal to kind yeah. of work towards? Yeah. Um, and so... I think it was significant that that one kind of stuck out to me. Um, It's huge. Yeah, it was. It also, it felt different to me than other things because it felt like the pride was less in what I did and more in the work that was put into it. Sure. Like it it, it was something that cost me something. Yeah. um, That I was like, wow, um, this is like an accomplishment that I put so much kind of into. Uh, And that's what almost kind of stuck out more than... I guess the the presentation of that, yeah. um, and yeah. so I think internally, when it comes to what's like the single most accomplishment, yeah. I think there's a part of me that looks over life and is like, well, there's not that much right, that you've actually done, right? <laughs> and I think that's the part that drives me forward, yeah. right? And then on the other end of that, I think there's a part of me that's a therapist. Yeah. That's an Enneagram teacher who's yeah. like, your worth, your value is not yeah. based on your accomplishments. Yeah. Like those things don't, those external things don't really matter. Yeah. And so I think when it comes to identifying singular events, singular accomplishments, yeah. it's hard because those are almost blockages mm-hmm. to allowing myself to really feel that but sense of how big of is for you to have a sense of that, to recognize it and be able to be aware of that? Yes. And I think that's the gift, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to kind of connect that and see, okay, there are these kind of internal blockages that make it hard for me to, for what other people could yeah. be like, oh my gosh, I did this thing and I feel this sense of- I woke up this morning, ta Right, exactly, right. <laughs> that's not a natural kind of yeah. thing for me, right? And so I think being able to even connect some of that is a really helpful thing, just thinking about okay, what is life up to this point look like? Sure. Um, but also kind of moving forward, right? Yeah. When it comes to the the successes. And yeah. I think that's different for every three too. Like what is success? I mean, depending yeah. on what three you talk to, that's going to look very different. Yeah. So yeah, it was that's a really good. interesting kind of thing to, to kind of sit with. And I think that's probably what kind of came up for me. Yeah, so. nice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I love that answer. So as I think about the threes, another thing, I mean, we're thinking about that what's next, what goal is next, the to-do list of the three that's really common and threes do need to hear, you know, I do enough and I am already enough and those sort of messages. But I'll, I also think about threes and how they can push down their feelings. I'm a two, so like the twos, like we share that in common, like we tend to push down feelings in different ways. But um, how do you make space to fill your feelings both individually on your own and then collectively maybe with others yeah that's another really good question i think it hits on something that definitely kind of shows up for me because i it's not a i think a natural and easy thing for me to do to kind of feel those Mm -hmm. things and um i think just some of my wiring i think what i've identified too is i think allowing myself to feel some of these things a lot of times the fear inherent is it is 
if I allow myself to feel these things, it's going to keep me from being able to perform. Yeah. This is going to get in the way of me being able to show up in the way that people want or they need or get in the way of the goals that I'm kind of moving towards. Right. So there's almost kind of this inherent fear. And so I think recognizing that, um, it it is important for me to kind of try to cultivate those spaces. And it's not the easiest thing to do either, because I think again, just vocationally, I'm a therapist, right. Mm -hmm. And there's a natural way that, you know, we have to show up for our clients and we care, but there's a way that it'd be so easy to kind of take those things with you unless you're able to have the things that are going to be able to protect yourself. So I, yeah. it's almost like I, I have both of these, my threeness and my therapistness, right? That makes it harder, yeah. right? Yeah. To like actually tune into to what I'm feeling as yeah. opposed to muting myself to show up kind of for other people. Um, and so I think what that looks like and actually what I've been even just in the past couple of months, really exploring more of is trying to tap into kind of, I guess the creative side of me. I'm typically yeah. a very logical, analytical mm-hmm. um, person. I have all those filters and um, I actually had a client kind of share something about their songwriting um, and something about, you know, them sharing their story made me kind of be like, well, huh, I wonder what that would be like for me if I, yeah maybe began to explore kind of just dabbling in some songs i'm i sing all the time <laughs> not in my everyday life but at home like okay. it just kind of happens like, i grew up in a family where you know people were always singing or playing instruments and so like i'll just be kind of doing the dishes or whatever and i'm singing and a lot of times i'm not even singing a song it's just you know I, about what i'm okay. doing yeah. or i mean it just kind of happens and so i was like why not why not kind of explore this a little bit mm-hmm. um and so i started doing some of that and it was amazing to me the ways that me kind of tapping into and exploring this creative way to try to get in touch with what I'm feeling bypassed all of these filters mm-hmm. that normally kind of come up and keep me maybe yeah. from feeling the feelings. Now I can identify my feelings. I mean, that's where my training is, right? Yeah. I can, I can see yeah. that in others and I can even in myself be like, Oh, Oh, you're feeling that. And you're feeling that. Oh, and that is connected to that but allowing myself to actually drop into that. Yeah. Right. And, and, mm, and a very real, like bodily physical form, like yeah. that, yeah, that is the work. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a way that creative um, outlet or me tapping into that more is opening up more space for that to happen yeah. um, in ways that it's been just much more difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. Music, whether we're singing or whether we're listening to music, but especially if we're singing because we're having to use our diaphragm, right. It's very embodied. Right. And that's so that's taking you in to your body and that's taking you maybe into the feeling when we're when we're integrating. And that's why the Enneagram's amazing. The mind, the heart and the body, we're getting to be like more healthy as people. So that's amazing. I love that example. And I love that. Right? I'd never even thought about even just the physical act. Right. Like mm-hmm. there is a way you have to be embodied yeah. to be able to mm-hmm. kind of sing these things. So mm-hmm. connecting those. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Good for you. You still singing? Yes, yes. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't just try it. It was like, okay, let it go. Good for you. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it even just kind of happens, nat- the singing goes. But I think it was even like trying to like articulate. I think it was trying to express my feelings yeah. in a creative form. So like yeah. writing a song. So I even like was writing a little bit about like what it's like being me as far as being a therapist yeah. and, and some personal relationships and things like that. And there's a way that when you're creatively expressing that, 
I've tried journaling mm-hmm. and I just, it goes through the same filters, the same kind of yeah. things that I'm like, I put it down. Not to say that's not good. Like, it is helpful. It is good. But like, it doesn't allow for me at least to kind of tap into that same place. Same for me. Number one, I just can't do it. I yeah. mean, it's all right. You just, it's not releasing anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. I, and, and, but when I added this creative component to mm-hmm. it again, I think it's almost like something with the brain. Like I want to yeah. into this right side of the brain that I don't traverse all that often. Yeah. Right. And there is something about that that just woof. feels cathartic almost, oh, doesn't yes. it? Very yeah. much so. Very That's much great. So. That's awesome. Well, let me ask you this question. Do you ever self-compare? And if you do, does it drive you towards success or away from it? <laughs> yeah. I get another one of those good questions. Um, I think thinking about it, um, I do. I do self-compare. Um, I th- <laughs> it's so hard, I think, with a lot of my own work, in a yeah. sense, as far as inner work being a therapist yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's a way i totally know cognitively right the right things Mm -hmm. per se right air quotes there um and so i think sometimes i can if i'm not careful almost substitute knowing the right thing right with like that that being enough without like doing some of the internal work yeah um and so i think even with my self-comparison i might find myself do that immediately correct myself like no 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 (laughs) Don't do that, you Stop know. Stop that now. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's helpful yeah. um, in a sense, right? Um, but I think it also, there's a wisdom there that is worth paying attention to. Yeah. Um, even just like acknowledging that that is kind of present. And I think part of it for me, which I think might be different for other threes, is my self-comparison so often actually doesn't actually drive me towards the success okay. that I'm wanting. It, it actually, I think, a lot of times makes it feel like, oh my gosh, like there's no way I could do those things. Um, Imposter syndrome. Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Which again, mm-hmm. for threes, is definitely a thing. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and what I find too is a lot of times it is people more like in my around my age, right? So there's people mm-hmm. who are older. There's a way I think, in, you know, internally I can be like, oh well, I'll get there, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> there, you know, there's there's time for that. <laughs> then I look at other people around my age and what they're doing or things like that, and I think it can be like, whoa, like. There's no way I could do that, which then almost kind of shuts me down yeah. more Yeah. versus if there's something that I want and something that I, I'm connected to. And I'm like, no, that is something I'm passionate about. That's yeah. something that I want to pursue. It almost feels like there's more energy towards that. Sure. Um, again, that's been my experience with it, at least. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And so that may be something for any listeners who are a three that, that some threes when they self-compare, it helps them to shoot for the stars. And when other three self-compare, it sort of takes them to that place of shame because, you know, sometimes we talk about the, the two, the three, and the four being in the shame triad, and it puts them in a place of insecurity where they feel like, I can't do this. So it could go either way, right? Is that? Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and that's what's even like, because when I was sitting with the question, I was like, this feels, I, I definitely know other threes, even in my own life personally, where it's the opposite of that, yeah. right? There's a way that that almost energizes them in a way. Yeah. And that's just for me, for whatever reason, right? Sure. Um, it doesn't necessarily hit me the same way. Love that. Thank you. So threes are often called the best dressed um, on the Enneagram. They're in the image triad. Um, and, and Leslie, Which you look super awesome. <laughs> like everything, the yeah. shoes, the socks, oh, the whole so thing, funny. the beard, yeah. like everything Ooh. works. Yeah. And so, but sometimes that manifests in different ways. So it could be like you have the nice car, the nice home, the nice outfit, the nice shoes, whatever. Um, are there ways in your life that you're image conscious? Yeah. Um, and this is another one. 
I want to almost put like a disclaimer yeah. on in a sense um, because there definitely are ways I am image conscious, but they're not the ways that you would typically think with a three, right? So again, some of the stuff you listed, right, as far as even yeah, me being well-dressed, like I don't necessarily see myself kind of that way. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, though. <laughs> and, um, but like even like a car or these kind of external um, things, that those don't, I'm, I'm less kind of concerned about that. And I think part of that is, and I don't know how familiar listeners are um, or you guys, but on for the three, um, there's also the instinctual drives, the sexual, mm-hmm. social, right. um, and um, self-preservation. Yeah. And I'm a self-preservation okay. three, which is mm-hmm. the counter type. And again, I might be getting into language that other people aren't necessarily familiar with this as far as if you're listening. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And so I guess maybe to explain a little bit why I actually might, the way I express things might be different than a lot of other threes you might would know, would be that my kind of I'm the counter type of of the types of threes because you take the instinctual drive with the actual Enneagram type and it kind of creates a subtype and so there's depending on what school of the Enneagram you're kind of in the passion for the three is um, either deceit or vanity mm-hmm. and so the counter type whether you're a three whether you're a four a seven nine whatever it is there's almost an awareness of this passion of this thing that can be a struggle at, at times and naturally internally there's an awareness and also a dislike Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. i don't want that that's not me Mm -hmm. i want to react against that Mm -hmm. and so for me and my threeness i think there is this awareness of wait there is this image consciousness that's bad Mm -hmm. i should not feel that way Mm -hmm. and so the natural inclination for me is to actually react against that in a way that doesn't make me not you know, deceitful in ways or, or vain in ways, right? But actually just kind of has that still being a part of my life that I'm reacting against. And so yeah. for me, when it comes to the image consciousness, it's actually an image consciousness of, of being image conscious. If that makes <laughs> yeah. sense, right? I love it. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. So, That's awesome. Yeah, so it's like, well, no, I don't want to, you know, dress too nice or I don't want to have the nice car. I don't want to do these things because, you know, those things don't matter. I don't want people to see that and think, oh, he's image conscious. You're rebelling yeah. against Yes. Like I'm actually it. like tapping mm-hmm. down on those things intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't make me not image conscious. Yeah. It just makes me image conscious in a different way. Yeah. And so I think what I've had to come to terms with even recognizing that is the, <laughs> the goal of it isn't to get rid of this image consciousness. The goal isn't to that that's just that's a part of who I am right yeah. mm-hmm. but how can I make sure that the decisions I make in the way I'm living my life is not letting that image consciousness even if it's a counter mm-hmm. energy right dictate how I'm living my life that yeah. is authentic which is the work of the three right exactly to towards yeah. being your true self and I just want to say for our listeners um, as we're talking about these instincts it may feel a little bit confusing and we will delve into this in future episodes yeah. but I also want to encourage you to go to the Enneagram Institute um, they have a great $12 test that you can take to find out what your instinct is and again Wesley said they're sexual they're social they're self-preservation and you can find that out um, but uh, you know, just because the Enneagram is a little bit confusing sometimes, it's also like rich and, and there's like always these extra layers of ourselves that we get to understand as we delve into it. But as you as you hear sort of different interviews, you may be like, whoa, this is a lot. And it is. But it also, you know, just one step at a time, find out like what your number is first and then you'll find out your wing and then you'll find out sort of your arrow of stress and your arrow of growth and then maybe your instinct from there so it's like it's a 
it's a, a path that, that leads to growth. And um, it can sound like a lot, but it, I promise you'll get to know yourself better. Um, and that's what the Enneagram is all about. It's a journey, you know, of the self to the self. And it, it takes some time. I think I, I heard Ian Cron one time say that it took him 10 months just to identify his number on the Enneagram. So if you're just still trying to figure out whether you're a one or a five or whatever, you know, take your time with that. This is a process of figuring out who you are and, and how you can be the best version of yourself. So thank you, though. That was really interesting about the, the instinct and how that, that yeah. changes things. And yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Next question. I think Yes. Yeah, so got. my, you know, my questions are all about doing nothing. So <laughs> I know threes are super driven and work oriented. How do you slow down? Do you slow down? Do you waste time and what that looks like for you? Yeah, no, those are those are good good questions. Yeah, I do. I think I I am able to um, slow down, um, and I think in different seasons it looks like different things. I think um, part of what that's kind of looked like for me um, over the past couple of years, at least, is um, just being able to have a, a space. I almost have like this place it feels like my spot like kind of my sanctuary uh, at home um, and it's on my back deck um, it's been really hot lately but yeah. <laughs> still worth it but there's a place that I think that that's kind of a lot of times where I'll go and just be able to kind of sit and be um, and I have some like bird feeders in the back and there's just something so cathartic and meditative and grounding just being able to be in that space and, and just take that in and yeah. it has like you know, views with, you know, trees and the sky and just like, there's just something about that that is like nourishing for me. And it's kind of hard to articulate in a sense, but I know deep down this is good for me. Yeah. Um, And it's a a place that um, I definitely try to make uh, time and space for. Yeah. Kudos to you. Yeah. (laughs) And similar to that with this idea of kind of slowing down, one of the things I know about the Enneagram threes is is some of them when they go on vacation or when they're off the clock, they have trouble with taking work with them. Um, Is that true for you or not? Yeah. um, Yes. I think that is something that is very true for a lot of things. I actually don't experience that as much. And again, this is maybe just being some of the weirdness of my uh, three but yeah, I, I typically don't. Actually, I went on vacation in July, and um, I was so, I think, turned off. There were a couple of things that I missed that I was supposed to do before. And when I came back, I was like, whoa, that is so unlike me to miss these things or not to send that email or something like that because I had kind of completely unplugged in a sense. Did that feel liberating? It does. Yeah. It, and oh, actually, I came back feeling so much more nourished, I think, than maybe other times when I have had a little bit of noise, in a sense, kind of internally about certain things. Yeah. But I actually haven't had the same, I think, what I've heard other threes describe is, you know, I, I go on vacation. It's like a week-long vacation. The first two days, I'm just trying to slowly unwind Get in right the tension mode. exactly yeah. right midway Relax. i'm hitting my stride Relax. yeah yeah i actually don't necessarily experience that for for whatever reason um but yeah i, I definitely think it's easy for those things to kind of come up and if if not i have to if i'm not conscious i think those things can't enter uh, without me kind of letting them go yeah and I would say, um, since that is not as relevant to you, that, that it's great to point out that not everything's going to fit. Like, yeah. as, as you know, there are, there are nine different types, yeah. um, but we're more than our type. And, again, our, 
our instinct, our wings can influence how we are, but just who we are as an individual yeah. person can make it different. And my husband is a three and um, he's better than I am when we go on vacation. Like he's better at just being present and um, not bringing work with him. He's really great about setting boundaries in that way. So not every piece will fit. And I think that's important to point out. Yeah. No, I think that's spot on. It actually reminds me of what you said earlier, right? Like, I love the dynamism of the Enneagram. There is so much depth to it. And I think partly because like there's so much depth to us as people, right? Like yeah. we're not, this is not a boxy system that kind of yeah. puts, oh, this is who you are. This is an element of who we are. And there's so much more that kind of contributes towards that. And yeah. I think it's a very important piece to kind of take uh, when we are engaging with any type of Enneagram work. So yeah, I think that's spot on. All right, so next question, um, fear of failure. That's a big one for a lot of threes. Um, how does that show up in your life or does it? Yeah, that that definitely does. I think it was actually harder for me to identify at first mm-hmm. because I think what my fear of failure looks like is I'm not going to do it if I'm going to fail. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? I love it! <laughs> and and I hear that from other threes as well. It's like, you, I mean, I'm going to make sure that I'm fully prepared so that whatever I engage in, whatever I do, it's going to be good yeah. because I don't want to risk it being a failure per se. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I think a lot of times what that actually does, and I think my in a sense, my even uh, counter type three, what it can keep me from doing is actually taking risks mm-hmm. or doing things that feel like, no, I cannot, I don't know that that's going to go well. Yeah. So, nope, I'm just going to sit this one out. I'm only going to do the things that I'm going to be good at. Now, that doesn't apply necessarily to, you know, trying different sports or things that are kind of like low stakes. Like I am fine being bad per se at those things. But if it feels like this is something that's important to me, mm-hmm. nope, I'm not going to take that risk. Mm-hmm. instinctually at least, or I'm not going to be vulnerable in that way to put myself in a position where I'm not going to perform well. Yeah, And I think that limits me so much. Yeah. Um, and I think even that awareness um, is something that I'm having to reckon with because I think you take that fear of failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You take my counter resistance to the, um, to the uh, self-consciousness, right? Yeah. So the image consciousness, I should yeah. say. And I think what it actually does, it almost puts constraints on what I do yeah. because I don't want to do too much and make it seem like I'm image conscious. I'm also afraid of failure. Yeah. So it's so much safer, right, for me to stay yeah. in this world, right, where I'm yeah. doing these things that feel safe and feel comfortable, which, again, fits so much with the self-preservation instinct as well, right? I can be successful. I can do in these bounds, right? Play it safe. Yes, right? Yes, play it safe. Be successful at playing it safe, right? But like, I think that actually limits it. So it's really interesting for me. I think some of the work that I have to be intentional about is how can I take risks to step outside Mm -hmm. of the things that I feel like maybe these are my limits, Mm -hmm. but but risk it in a way where maybe I don't present in the way that is going to be the image that I want to kind of portray. Um, And so I think actually part of what these even looks like is with some of the Enneagram Chattanooga stuff, kind of my own journey with that. So I started that, um, let's see, in 2019, and it was really kind of picking up. I put so much time, energy, effort, passion into obviously developing because I love to see – yeah, I love just being able to use that tool and and how it impacts people – and it was really picking up. I'm doing workshops here and there, businesses, organizations, doing things with like couples. And actually the week, I think it was the, yeah, it was like the second week, first or second week of March, yeah. 2020. Yep. I'm 15th. In, 
What? 15. 15. Yeah, right, right. I'm in Hawaii doing a couple's workshop with the Enneagram, also incorporating some EFT, emotion-focused therapy, wow. which was amazing. Yeah. Oh, I, it was so great. And in Hawaii. Oh my and God. in Hawaii, right, exactly. I did one workshop one weekend, and then the next weekend was the second workshop. I was going to do two. The second one was canceled yeah. because of COVID. Yeah. And everything Enneagram I was doing kind of came to a halt. Yeah. Wow. And I think for me, the momentum and how that was going, like it was just such a shock and like just totally, you know, I don't think I realized the way it spiraled me down, but it just was like so much of this that I put so much into was yeah. now not happening. Yeah. Um, and so as things, you know, since then, you know, fast forward as things have opened up and things are getting more, I mean, obviously with, you know, Delta variant stuff, things are, you know, kind of getting shut down and stuff again but anyway there's been more space right to kind of mm-hmm. devote more energy more time and mm-hmm. things towards i mean really towards even the enneagram chattanooga so i'm still doing things but i think there's a part of me that's felt like it wasn't my fault but there's a way it almost felt like a failure that it mm-hmm. couldn't keep going at that capacity and i was loving that and it's almost felt like a block um for me to like pursue it in a way that's more I, I think honestly, this is part of my I think work more vulnerable yeah. and more of myself because I think though yeah. I love the work that I get to do. I love getting to see the way that people are opened up, the way they're able to connect, understand themselves, the empathy, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a way that I think I've engaged with it in the past where I've shared less of myself. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something in me that's I feel like. Think about this this morning, almost like calling me to a deeper vulnerability of sharing myself in that space. <sighs> to Death. your point, oh my gosh, it's so hard. So I teach yoga for a living, and mm. it took me for, and I would love to go to classes where the teacher kind of really just opens up. And I had a block forever. I was like, we, I, I would talk about other yogis. We're talking about motivation, mantras, inspiration, but my stuff. I'm going to keep to myself. Just now, eight years later, I'm sure it is so freaking scary to just, you know, like come into class and tell them that I had a fight with my husband right before I get, or I yelled at my children, get in the car, gotta teach yoga. Namaste. (laughs) You know, like it's, you know, it's hard. It is scary and it is super vulnerable. So I am with you. And yeah, that's encouraging to kind of hear. Again, I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, it being so scary and, yes. and vulnerable, right? To yeah. kind of like open up yourself in that space. Yeah. And it felt very comfortable and safe. And in my threeness, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I feel comfortable yeah. here. I'm able to perform. We're I'm able good. to facilitate, help you have your experience. Yeah. But I can keep myself yeah. almost mm-hmm. kind of closed in a yeah. sense because that feels scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. That feels vulnerable. And I feel almost in the Enneagram work that I'm doing more of a call in a sense. I don't know where this call comes from exactly. But like <laughs> something in me saying, show up as you yeah and not that i haven't showed up as me but like i guess more of me in a sense but people really like who you are not the performer but your story the authentic wesley yeah right yes and i think yeah. that's i don't think that's necessarily what i've been able to even articulate but i think that's the truth of it right mm. and i think being able to allow myself to embrace and accept that and live into that reality yeah. is so much of even the work i feel like i'm being ushered into yeah because i can perform in a way that can create this experience it's so life-giving but i think a word that's been very um, important to me that i've noticed even in my enneagram work is value Mm. 
And so often how I'm viewing things, whether I'm thinking about it or not, is how am I providing value? Mm -hmm. How am I giving value to the people I'm with, whether it's people I'm counseling, whether it's Enneagram, whatever it is. And I think ultimately a lot of times that comes from feeling like if I'm not providing that value, right, what value do Mm -hmm. I have? And that's not something I'm walking around my everyday life thinking about, right? Like, yeah, yeah. that's that's way down deep, but I yeah. think that's there. And I think being able to show up in a way where it's like, I can still provide value and me showing up as me to your point, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's value even in yeah. that, yeah. in my flaws and, and the ways that I maybe don't perform yeah. the, the best, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's so much there. And I think that's what I'm trying to step more into, to more internalize and live into and I think even just this conversation, there's been a lot of anxiety about, okay, I'm yeah. going to enter the space. We're going to have this conversation. Yeah. There's a certain type of vulnerability that could come from this. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. me leaning into that as opposed to how can I keep myself guarded, present an image, right, of an Enneagram teacher and knowing these things. But instead, I mean, those things aren't untrue. They are me. But sure. how can I expose more of myself and that be okay and that be yeah. enough? Yeah. yeah. And I think... I mean, even again, just doing this, you're give, you you guys are giving yeah. me the opportunity to practice that, which I think yeah. is, and it I'll is a practice. And I'll tell you, people gravitate to vulnerable and people gravitate to real and authentic because we all have our flaws and failures and fears and uncertainties or whatever. So for me to hear that, like, I want I want to be a friend. Mm-hmm. I want to come and, you know, take a workshop. I want to see what you have to say because... I feel like we're, we're we're similar in that way, and I think a lot of our listeners would feel the same. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I think like Brene Brown says, and many other people say, vulnerability leads to vulnerable. It lead vulnerability leads to vulnerability. So it leads to that me too moment. Yeah, and that that is where people connect, and that leads to to that open heart that that we're yeah. working on in yeah. yoga too, yeah. right? Like that. Yeah that leads to opening up in our heart space and and that's what you know you're trying to do I'm trying to do I think that's true for me as a helper too right like I you know want to help other people and not disclose my own stuff and then I've realized you know that um being a therapist, uh, there are moments when self-disclosure is really, really important. I have to be careful with that too, as you do as a therapist. But um, you know, I don't have to always be the professional or the helper. I have to, you know, share that this is hard, this is painful, um, and so I think it's really important to go to that vulnerable space. But it's also scary as yeah. things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyways. Kudos to all of us on working on I vulnerability. Know, right? <laughs> never <laughs> ending. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so uh, our last question for you, Wesley. I don't know. We might surprise you and have another one. But um, any mindful practices that move you out of the art of doing into the art of being? I think it was Eric Fromm that came up with that art of being. Yeah, I think there's a few things that I feel like I'm trying to kind of foster more. I mentioned before even just like being able to be outside um, and take in just kind of the mm-hmm. scenery, the nature, watching the the birds, right? Like there, there's yeah. something that is very um, – I, I, again, I was thinking even this morning, I was watching them and the, they were just being, right? Like mm-hmm. they're just being – there's no yeah. performance involved yeah. in any of that. Like they're just kind of being and there's a freedom I think that kind of comes in with that right and so I think even that practice but I think the other thing that I've been exploring more and really trying to be intentional about has been this creative side as well and so Mm -hmm. 
again just doing a little bit of this um songwriting and then doing um been doing like some sketching and kind of painting and things like that and there's i think these types of things are allowing me i don't have to do and again yeah. there's there's a doing element but i'm not doing it for yeah. anything yeah. other than you right yeah. other than me right other than this being something that's kind of like um, nurturing nourishing kind of myself um and i think the default for me, which I think is so much of what our Enneagram patterns are, right? When we're on, when we're on autopilot, right? Yeah. These are just the things we do is for me to think, okay, what, what is the to-do list? What do I need to get done? What do I need to do outside? What do I need to do with work? What do I need to do around the yeah. house? Like, like doing, doing, doing. Yeah. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But when that's my default and what I go to, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not making and cultivating the space for like what's actually going to nourish me, yeah. um, there's going to be a loss right and i've experienced that loss i think for large portions of my life and i think being intentional about like um yeah doing my best to try to care for myself in that way and just being right um definitely something that i have to intentionally work at yeah i want you to share if you can with viewers also your website for the enneagram chattanooga like what the link is where they where they go because i've looked at your website it's amazing by the way but i just want people to check out the coaching or workshop potential possibilities can you tell us yeah sure thing it's a uh, enneagram chattanooga.com mm-hmm. super super easy super simple and yeah. yeah i mean there you can kind of contact me and um reach me and again like i said kind of offering stuff with teams organizations um also again if you want me to come for whatever group if it's like say a church or some organization you want me to do something i can do that as well and um yeah those spaces are so incredibly fun and life-giving i think to me as well just seeing those moments of connection those moments of understanding um that's kind of happening for people so yeah i'd love to kind of hear from any of you yay so good to be with you um i i just think you're such a healthy three you're so authentic and i just appreciate you being here i think it's going to enrich a lot of people and you're doing good work in chattanooga with the enneagram um and with your work as a therapist so we're just thankful for all that you're doing and um you're making a difference do you see that can you like i affirm that you're yeah as you're saying that like what i was thinking is like i i do receive that and i think that's that's hard at times for me to actually do right it's more like well no here are the things i've done so yes i have worth and value right so being able to just hear and receive that right Mm -hmm. as affirmation kind of to myself um i do feel that um, in a way that I don't always. So thank you so You're much welcome. for that. Well, thank you for thank being you. here. We're, we're deeply grateful. So. Thank you. And and just uh, thankful for all our Enneagram 3s or any of you who are listening. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon um, at Enneagram Plus Yoga. Our meditation today is for Wesley, all Enneagram 3s, and anybody who is trying to work on becoming a more authentic self. The yoga pose I want to offer today for the Enneagram 3 in this meditation is constructive rest. If you can't go to constructive rest, you can simply sit in a seat and rest 
But if you want to try the pose constructive rest, find the floor or your mat. Put your feet on the edge of the mat and then drop your knees and thighs in towards one another. Root your back down to the earth below you and start to find your breath. Breathing in through the nose. Exhale out. And start to find a rhythm with the breath and stay with the breath throughout this meditation. The three shows up in the world as charismatic, hardworking, motivated, and efficient. But the three must remind themselves that their inner work is acknowledging their feelings, becoming an authentic self, and slowing down. They need to learn the art of being and move away from the productivity. As you breathe, you may even have a mantra of inhale, be, exhale, still. The three must release their need for success and achievement in order to truly feel valued. They must embrace their emotions knowing that their feelings matter. And maybe even take a moment to tap into your feelings right now. What are you feeling? The threes must remind themselves that in this moment of rest, even without productivity, they are already valuable, worthy, accepted, and enough. Oscar Wilde said, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. And this is the work of the three, to work towards letting go of that chameleon-like nature and instead choosing to be who you are. Or as Rumi put it, tear off your mask. Your face is glorious. And so may you take a deep breath in through the nose. Exhale out through the mouth. You are already enough. Namaste, friend. Namaste.